You can support this podcast on patreon.com forward slash firstpawmedia. Radio Free Palmer 89.5 KVRF presents Mushing Radio, hosted by Robert Forto. Mushing Radio is about dog-powered sports, living in the Great White North, and mushing. Visit our website at mushingradio.com. Here is your host, Robert Forto. Hello and welcome everybody. This is Robert Forto and you're listening to Mushing Radio here on KVRF 89.7 in the Matsu Valley. RadioFreePalmer.org is our live streaming site and you can hear all of our episodes over on DogWorksRadio.com and MushingRadio.com. And I am joined tonight by my co-host, Tony Ryder, calling in from the Kenai Peninsula. Tony, how's it going? It's going well. I'm glad that we're uh, back doing this. I actually started missing uh, doing podcasts. I don't know what's come over me. I'm not as anxious, I guess, anymore about this thing. So good well, to be back. It is good to be back. And for folks that don't follow me on social media, about two and a half weeks ago, I had some pretty major dental surgery and uh, getting a couple implants. And I have been Unable to speak well for the last couple of weeks, and I know that uh, I may slur a little bit, so it is definitely something that will be temporary. It's tough to be a podcaster when you cannot talk well, so I'm glad to be back. So, Tony, what is happening with the Iditarod logo? Let's kick it off with that. Um, yeah, it was kind of funny. We we recorded the last podcast. It was um, not too critical, I thought, of... Uh, the drama surrounding the logo, we just basically talked about how fans uh, were asking for a little bit more of the organization and their um, company that they used to design the 2023 logo. Um, one of the big concerns fans had was they had randomized the number on the Musher's bib in the logo, um, and fans asked if it could maybe either be the year that we were going to be running this race or how many times the race has been run, which was 51 years, or the general consensus for most fans were, can we have number 13 in honor of the late uh, champion Lance Mackey? And (laughs) right before the podcast went uh, live online, the Iditarod announced that they had in fact changed the number. It is in honor of Lance Mackey. I'm kind of hoping this also means that uh, he's probably going to be the honorary musher this year, but I haven't heard for sure. I'm just really hoping that it leans that direction now. And they have, they have not fixed the other issues with the logo yet. I don't know <laughs> if they're going to, but I know that there has been a little bit of strife on social media about how it's designed. Why do you think that they refuse to take those suggestions? I'm guessing it has more to do with timing on print to work. Um, you know, we are getting pretty close to the beginning of the season. Um, their uh, third party merchandise company has already started the uh, Christmas sales, the holiday sales. Um, they're really promoting their designs, which don't really actually have a lot of uh, this coming races logo stuff that I've seen. I haven't looked uh, in the last day. I've just seen their earlier emails of what they've got going on. Um, 
So I'm, I'm guessing it just has to do with timing at this point. Or honestly, a lot of the response was they don't feel that there is a problem and it's um, fans, not even fans, they, they were saying they were being negative and detractors. So um, I, I think the Iditarod just thinks that it's a great logo. They're proud of it and they don't want to mess with it further than putting the number 13 on it. And that's their choice. Speaking of number 13 in honor of Lance, I remember right around the time he passed away at his um, funeral service, I put on social media that they should um, retire Bib 13. And I don't think that they took my suggestions, but a couple of races have done so. And I know that the Willow 300 is one of those. I saw that you reported that on social media a couple of weeks ago. What do you know about that? Um, I actually didn't see them saying they were retiring it, or did they? I have slept since then. I know that he is going to be the honorary musher of that race, um, and I think maybe they did hint on there. I'd have to go back and look. Um, I think where we get kind of murky with that is he wasn't always been number 13. He won um, the Iditarod, his first Iditarod with it, but he's won Iditarod with other numbers as well. And so it is a very important number to the Mackey family, and maybe it should only be worn by a Mackey. I don't know. Um, but I, I go back and forth on the retire because I even said, early on, you know, retire number 13. But then you've got more Mackeys coming up into the race, um, you know, with Jason Mackey uh, signed up to run the 2023 race. Um, Brenda Mackey has uh, attempted the, the race uh, recently. Um, and so I kind of want to see it continue because it seems to be a very lucky number for the Mackey family. Yeah, and you're right. I don't think that they are going to retire. I think, like you said, they're going to uh use that as an honorary musher uh, for the Willow 300. But speaking of retiring numbers, if you think about football, uh, there's often a number that's retired based on the the history of that particular player. And I'm thinking about um, players that have worn other numbers at other times, like Joe Montana and other people like that who one team or another that they played on retired that number. And I guess my argument for 13 is it sort of honors the whole uh, Mackey clan, in particular um, mm -hmm. Rick and and Dick, uh, both Iditarod veterans and champions, et cetera. But uh, just just my take, I think it would be a cool way for the for the sport of mushing to sort of honor the legacy of the Mackey family. So speaking of speaking of the Mackey family, we had talked briefly off air before we recorded tonight about some more news about um, one of the Mackeys and a cancer diagnosis. What do you know about that? Um, yeah, it's uh, been going around. Uh, I believe Brenda, um, as well as one or two other of the Mackeys, um, posted a few weeks ago that Rick Mackey um, was having some health trouble, um, and it was a cancer diagnosis. And then Brenda uh, posted this past weekend that her uncle, Bill, who is Rick's brother, um, he also has been diagnosed with cancer. So that's 
you know, it, it seems to go like, just like the number 13, it seems to go hand in hand with the Mackey family right now. And it, I, I messaged Brenda briefly and, um, you know, just sharing more support, but I was like, you guys have just, it's not fair how much they've been hit lately. And, um, my heart just goes out to, to the whole entire Mackey clan, um, it's such a hard thing to deal with when it's one family member, but when you have multiple family members and they are a very um, tight family in many ways. So I know that this is affecting all of them. Um, Bill is also an Iditarod veteran. He ran one time in 1984. Um, and so she even shared a picture of um, one of the Iditarod trading cards that Iditarod used to have Iditarod trading cards and I wish they'd bring them back. Um, and it had a picture of, uh, it said Rick, Dick, and Bill, and her caption was before it was Rick, Dick, and Lance, it was Rick, Dick, and Bill. Um, so it's, it's just, I hate being a downer. Um, it, it's not the news that you want to be reporting. You want to be reporting the, the happy things, but, uh, the Mackies definitely need our thoughts and prayers. For sure. So let's switch over to the topic of the evening. It's something that is happening not only in Alaska, but other sled dog organizations around the country are taking on a new way of racing. And I think it's pretty exciting. And I'm going to talk a little bit about a sprint race here in a bit called the South Central Challenge. But you want to talk about the Cusco 300 and a couple of races in the lower 48. What do you know? Yeah, so uh, I got really excited. Um, Facebook last week, late last week, the Cuscoquim 300, their board of directors announced that they are starting what they're calling the Delta Championship Series. And um, they are going to, it's a new program. It doesn't actually involve the Cuscoquim 300 race per se. Um, but there are six races that are included. It's almost like a Grand Prix kind of feel or even like golf where, you know, you, you do so well in, in certain races and you just keep to keep going and, and the purse goes up is my understanding. Um, but it's six races. Uh, they've got names for them. Um, some of them we know the Bogus Creek is part of this Delta Championship Series, but they have the season opener, the Holiday Classic. Bogus Creek, February 50 doubles race, which is two mushers for each team, uh, the 100-mile challenge, and the campout race. Um, each race has its own purse, um, and they've, they've outlined all of that. If you go to k300.org, there's, there's a great write-up on how it works. Um, but what's really exciting about this is it's focused on Western Alaska. It's all races right there where these Western Alaskan teams can actually go be a part of more than one race um, and really have this kind of Grand Prix championship series going on. Um, and then down in the States, they've also got a couple of these uh, Grand Prix type series. I don't know what else to call it. Um, but you've got one that involves Race to the Sky. Um, it's called the Rocky Mountain Triple Crown, which is, it includes the Eagle Cap Extreme Sled Dog Race, the Idaho Sled Dog Challenge, and of course, Montana's Race to the Sky. Very competitive um, races in their own right. And now, you know, they're trying to 
get mushers to sign up for all three and and then you get to have bragging rights i guess if you wear win the triple crown and then the copper dog announced that uh coming march they're going to have what they call the superior crown sled dog series um which has a number of different races uh involved there which i would list all of them but one of them has a name that i can't pronounce and i'm not going to try and butcher it tonight so, um, yeah, just go online to, to the Copper Dog, and it'll give you a rundown on theirs. Um, it's just really exciting because I think this is, I mean, we've seen the Iditarod try this with uh, Q, uh, QPAWS, their, their Krill Pet World Arctic Series, what they called them, and COVID happened. And so we never really got a World Series after that first one where they involved the Iditarod and the cinnamon slope it and um, the bear grease. And it was the Volga quest. I'm guessing why it's not listed this year is because of the ongoing strife within Russia. Um, but that never really seemed to take off the ground. And it certainly didn't feel like it had the whole spirit of the original Iditarod race because you really had to have money to do that world series. Whereas something like what we've got with the Cusco, it's really focused on, I think, the native mushing population, which is what Iditarod started for. It was to encourage Western and rural Alaska to keep their heritage of sled dogs. And we're going farther and farther away from that with the Iditarod. And the Kuskokwim is bringing the race, the, the mushing racing forward. And they're also encouraging those Western Alaskan and rural mushers to continue to go on. And so I'm really excited for these, uh, these other series, I think even more so than the, the world Arctic series. Yeah. And, and the uh, South central challenge is, is much more uh, grounded in a stage type race, much like the mm -hmm. pedigree stage stop, but it's coming back in 2023. They ran it one time, in I believe it's 2011, and I ran it that first time, and it was one of the funnest races I ever did. And what <laughs> makes that interesting is it's a three-day race at different tracks each day. So we're going to start, I believe we start in Montana Creek up near Talkeetna, and then we go to um, Chugiak, world-famous trails there, and then we finish in Anchorage. And, and my my um, stages may be off a bit, but three different races, three different areas, uh, very flat, uh, very hilly, and then urban uh, environment for mushing. Mm -hmm. And and you're right, uh, Tony, these type of races, whether it's the series or these stages, I think that this may be the true uh, future of the sport because it allows race organizations, they call them RGO, race giving mm -hmm. organizations, to really work together and bring the community together mm -hmm. to do so. And I really like the direction of the, the K300 and what they're doing. I know that those races are very popular out there already, especially mm -hmm. the yeah. Bogus Creek 150 that's sort of run along the time as the, as the K300. But you're right, just to get more people involved, the excitement uh, to get that, happening and of course with these races it's spanning over almost the entire racing season which is really cool and i think uh mm -hmm. bragging rights is a big deal but these races on on the uh, western side of alaska they really have some purses along with these don't they mm -hmm. 
Yeah, they do. You know, um, the K300 and the the governing body of the races out there uh, in and around Bethel and up and the Kobuk 442, you know, let's, let's give credit where credit is due for all of those races out on Western Alaska. They have boards that get crap done. They are so impressive, you know, and I'm, I'm a total outsider looking in. So if there's drama that I'm not aware of, let me stay unaware of it because I'm just so impressed with what they're able to put together and put out for the general public for us to see um it's so refreshing to see something that truly is you know they're they're very fan focused they're also very musher focused and i think that's why you're seeing um more and more big name mushers choose to go out to those races um because they do like the organization of the races they do like the big purses certainly you know it's it's a better um chance in their invest getting their investment back um several times over so um it's i'm i'm su- super stoked to follow um the championship series and then i love the Cuscoquim 300 i even toyed with uh going out there this year but my budget just isn't where it needs to be for me to get out there. But, um, you know, I'm looking right now at the roster for the K300. They're almost at their cap number. Um, and it's just stacked with fantastic teams from all over Alaska. Um, a lot of local mushers that we've seen really start to develop in some of these shorter races, as well as uh, when they throw their hat in the ring for the K300 the last couple of years. I think the Kuskokwim 300 is going to be the most exciting race in Alaska this year. Um, It's just so packed with competition. Um, I'm actually, I think I'm, I'm a little more excited for the Cusco this year than I did a rod right now looking just judging on, on rosters. Of course, you know, it's, it's a completely different beast with the Iditarod, but the, the Cusco is where it's at. And that happens in mid-January, and we'll definitely report on that as we get closer. One last point there on the Cusco. I don't know the answer to this. Maybe you do. But where do they get these large purses? Is it a native organization thing? Is it pull tabs? Is it sponsors? Do you have any idea where they're garnering this big-time money for these races? You know, I'm looking at their website. Uh, they have major sponsors. They, I do believe that also the Native Corporation out there um, is a big partner in this. Um, you know, everyone comes out for it. Uh, so they get donors from uh, from everywhere. There, there are people that send in money. You know, they buy a mile. Uh, they have they have a really great fundraising. Um, platform but i'm looking and they've got some pretty big uh sponsors or partners as they call them so uh, i think it's a little of all of the above so we started our show talking about iditarod so let's switch focus a little bit and talk about that race uh first up before we talk about uh the entries since we were on last it's my understanding that it's either already happening or it will happen by the time this show drops of the Idita Rider program is live now. Is that right? Uh, I think it's getting close. I want to say it starts December 1st. Yes, I just looked it up. Uh, it opens December 1st, but they have been promoting it to the hilt 
um, for the last couple of weeks. It is earlier. I do believe they normally start at the auction at the first of the year, um, but this year it's December 1st. And real quickly, Tony, for folks that may be new to this, what is the Idita Rider and what kind of money does this generate for the race? <laughs> um, I think this is one of their bigger fundraisers. Uh, people bid to ride in a musher's sled for the first 11 miles of the Iditarod, uh, basically from downtown Anchorage up to Campbell Airstrip or the BLM where they uh, pull uh, the teams off of the trail, put them in dog trucks and head out. So um, it's during the ceremonial start and you get to feel like you're the grand marshal in the parade. You get to wave, throw booties, uh, high fives, snag hot dogs, beer, anything that the trail gators are giving out along uh, that 11 miles through Anchorage. Um, you get to meet your musher ahead of uh, that first Saturday, you get to have a meal with them, get to know them, get some swag. Um, so you you get to be kind of Iditarod royalty for a weekend. Uh, you get VIP badges. I do believe they still let you into the musher shoot there at the restart, which uh, not very many people get to do these days. So uh, yeah, it's it's you know if you've got at least 750 bucks to blow, uh, you you might be able to snag a rookie's sled or you know you can i think it's 7500 to uh maybe a little less now to uh just snag a sled outright um i always like watching the auction to see which musher goes for the most uh i feel like that's its, its own competition really so um yeah it's it's i think it's a lot of fun my dad always wants to do it and then uh decides he wants to volunteer more but it's uh it's it's a fun little thing. I always enjoy it. You can't, you do have the opportunity to uh, get wet and uh, maybe get some snow in your face at the sled tips. But other than that, it's a pretty safe ride. I just have one qualm with the program. I know it's, it's sort of apples and oranges. <laughs> and that is, even though that these can uh, fetch a pretty penny, if you will, unfortunately, none of this money goes to, to the musher. It all goes to... Mm -hmm the Iditarod and the race organization. What are your thoughts on that? I don't think we've ever asked you that. Um, you know, I actually don't mind it being a fundraiser for the race in general. They're not the only ones that do it. The Quest uh, has done it um, in the past. And even though they don't have a ceremonial start, so I think they dumped them out about three miles in um, before they head out into the wilderness in the Yukon Um and as far as I know, it also all goes to the race. I think it's, you know, it's all above board. Um, you're, you're well aware that the money's going to that. I know that there are some mushers that wish that it was like a split the pot type of thing. Um, or that, you know, the musher could possibly, you know, if they have a big sponsor that wants to ride in their sled, but there's always the tag sled for that. I don't know what the rules are if you can actually sell your tag sled to somebody. Um, or not, but um, I don't know. I, I think it's a good fundraiser for the race that's, you know, otherwise possibly hurting depending on the year and the sponsorship levels that they're getting. So um, I, I'm for it. I, I've never actually thought of it as a, as a problem that it doesn't go to the mushers, but I, I can see the point why it, why it might be better off to do a split the pot type thing. 
And I don't know if you know this or not, but has there ever been a time where somebody's sled did not sell and they just have an empty Iditarider spot? I'm sure that there has been. Um, I've not heard of that. I don't know if they just then throw like a sponsor from the race just into a sled. I've never seen an empty sled necessarily. Um, the only time I've seen the empty sled is when they've actually let the Iditarider stand on the back of the the runners um, in between the musher and the handlebar. Um, a lot of the time, there are a couple of sleds held back from the auction just in case a musher withdraws after the auction closes. Um, or if uh, they normally have at least one Make-A-Wish kid as an I did a rider and that sort of thing. So they don't always auction off every sled. Um, but I don't think I've ever seen, I don't think I've ever seen where they haven't. I've seen where they've had more, um, I did a writers than they've had mushers because of too many withdrawals. Um, and so then they don't let us know that they're running an extra sled or two. And so then when we start packing up, here come two more dog teams, but that's another Great for another day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's jump over to the recent entries and or withdrawals. Uh, it's getting close to the end of November, which is the date for uh, early entry, I guess you would call it. Uh, after December mm -hmm. 1st, it's considered a late entry. And there have been years where folks sign up after December 1st and pay that hefty penalty. It's not very often, but it does occur. So what's happened in the last two or three weeks since we've been on in terms of the Iditarod roster? Right. Yeah, last time we were on, we only had one withdrawal, and that was Jay, um, who just realized that she was not um, ready to go uh, after what happened last year. She got ready to run Iditarod. So um, now we have a second withdrawal. It's Grayson, uh, who was going to run dogs out of Mitch Seavey's kennel um now mitch doesn't uh, i don't believe mitch has dogs racing he does have least dogs with uh, another musher but as far as like his main racing team uh, mitch posted today that uh the dogs don't have any plans for march right now so uh we'll see how that progresses throughout the season um, but we do have a couple of um, new entries. We've got a new rookie, a Jed Stevenson, who is a rookie to Iditarod, but doesn't appear to be a rookie towards dog mushing. I'm not very familiar with him. He's from Idaho. Um, and so I think Idaho. Um, and uh, he he's done quite a few um his bio says he is one of only four people to finish the Rocky Mountain Triple Crown. Um, so he, he's definitely got some miles under his belt. And then veteran, I did a rod veteran musher, Kelly Maxner is back in the race. And my sources have told me, uh, unofficial sources, they are not actually involved with any of the teams mentioned here, but um, I've been told that uh, Kelly will be running dogs out of Dallas Beebe's kennel. So I have not actually asked uh, for confirmation, but that's a pretty good bet. He's done that before. So um, that brings us to a total of 27 teams. So one more than the last time we uh, were on air. <laughs> and didn't Wade Mars enter as well? Yes. Yes. Wade is, Wade is also on there. 
I couldn't remember if Wade had joined up uh, by the time that we did another uh, podcast or not. But yes, Wade is back. Um, the Iditarod mentioned, or not mentioned, but announced that they were dropping the requirement for COVID vaccination. And that was what kept Wade out of last year's race. And so he is back. He's also running the Yukon Quest Alaska 550. And I think that Brent Sass is doing both of those races as well. Is that right? That he is. Interesting. Interesting. And for folks that may not know, Brent Sass is the current Iditarod champion. Is he signed up? I assume he's signed up for Iditarod as well, right? He is. He's actually the only Iditarod champion on this year's roster. Interesting. So no Dallas, Which, no Mitch, um, no, no. Uh, nope. no your Olsom. I'm just trying to think of recent mm-hmm. winners there. Uh, it, it is no Pete Kaiser. That's the one that I'm really interested in. Like your uh, has said that he's taking time off to raise family. Dallas has said something similar. He's got a teenage daughter. Uh, he wants to be a part of her interests right now. Um, but Pete's been very silent about why he's not on the uh, roster. So that's kind of interesting. Maybe me. he's saving up to uh, to win that series we were talking about. He, I know he he's out. I for mean, that I mean that doesn't that wouldn't surprise me. And that's I mean more power to him. I I would note that there are quite a few Iditarod. Well, there's at least a couple of Iditarod champions on the Cusco roster. So I'm just saying it's going to be the best race. Yeah, we'll we'll, de- we'll definitely <laughs> we'll definitely report on that one as it's as it's going. That will be a fun one to watch. Tony, we're just about out of time. Did we miss anything? I don't think so. I think you let me ramble enough. <laughs> okay, very good. So guys, we will we will be back on a two week basis from here on out. Uh, we are heading into the mushing season, even though we have had. Some crazy weather here in South Central Alaska. Mm-hmm. We had pretty much uh, most of our snow melt over the last couple of days. It was pouring down rain last night, uh, which is pretty uncommon for the middle of November. It's typically colder than it's been, but I think it was uh, in the low 40s earlier in the week. So it'll be interesting to see how things play out. We have not even been on sleds here in my kennel because of... Uh, the crazy weather we're having. We typically are, are running hot and heavy by Thanksgiving. So I guess we have a mm-hmm. week or two to go before then, but <laughs> it looks like everybody is out doing their thing and training and doing well. So until then, Tony, thanks for being on and we will talk to you guys next time. From dog works radio. This is mushing radio. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And we invite you to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes. You can tap or swipe on the episode cover art, and you'll see some offers from our sponsors. You can support our show by supporting them. If you like what you have heard, we would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe too. Your hosts are Alex Stein and Robert Forto. Our producer is Robert Forto, created for Dog Works Radio.